You're listening to Playback, a Variety iHeartRadio podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. This week, Oscar-nominated actor Timothy Chalamet is on the show, here to discuss his work in the new film Beautiful Boy. We dig into that and this head-spinning moment Chalamet is enjoying, a 22-year-old star fast on the rise, navigating his developing career, and of course learning a lot along the way. So sit tight. This is Playback. Just gonna pop this real fast, and you can tell me what you had for breakfast or something. Um, this morning was uh, what did I have for breakfast this morning? Scrambled eggs, bacon, ham. Um, bulking up, bulking up. No, I'm not. But I was, <laughs> I was for, I was for the king, and yeah. uh, and uh, wow, I literally almost just with that camera right there, almost <laughs> was gonna. Anyway, it's distracting. So, yeah, no, no, no. But uh, no, it's all good. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. You know. you, have you always lived in LA or no? No, well, thirteen years. Feels you from like, LA? Feels no. like always. No, I'm from back south, North Carolina, actually. We're in North Carolina. You're getting hammered right now. Uh, <laughs> really? Charlotte, you're from the hurricane. Oh, oh sorry, yeah, I think yeah. like college no, sports. No, 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 they, that. they are. That's, oh, okay. that's true as well. Oh, okay, okay. But no, yeah, it's. Uh, Did that hurricane just just hit right now? Yeah, it, the last couple of days, or it was like middle of the night. The eye finally hit. It's going really slow, so that's the problem. It's a slow moving storm, but. I've got family on the east side. I, I hung out on the west on the west side of the state. Grew up over there. Went to film school over there. So, would you? Did you go to film school of arts? Yes. No way. Really? Yeah. I have a lot of friends that go there. No, Lucas there. did. Yeah, Lucas yeah. went there for a year, I think. Okay. I have a friend named Andrew Manning that went there. It's actually not that cold in here. It's fine, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fine. No, no, no. no sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put my phone on airplane. Okay, we're recording. Uh, everybody, I'm here with Timothy Chalamet today, the star of Beautiful Boy. Uh, the star of countless movies, it feels like lately. You're everywhere. Do you feel ubiquitous, by the way? Do I feel what? Sorry? Ubiquitous. Do you feel like you're everywhere? <laughs> I don't know what that word means. <laughs> it means everywhere. It means, it means omnipresent. You're everywhere. Omnipresent, um, yeah. Uh, no, not, not, not right this second. No. Not yet, anyway. It's a good thing. It's, you know, you know, especially at this stage in your career. First of all, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for having me. I look through the list of who's been on here and there's a lot of people I look up to. That's so. some good ones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had Greta and Sersha on here last year. Yes. That was a fun one. Uh, I wanted to actually mention, I don't, you probably don't remember this, but we met actually uh, on the set of Hostiles. We were actually in the Santa Fe Hotel you were staying in. You and John Majors came downstairs. You were about to go out for the night and I was there to do a story like I was the journalist that was kind of walking around. On on Christian? No, it was on just the production just, story on the movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I was there for a couple of days. At the Hacienda. Yeah. Um, that was a crazy hotel. <laughs> or not crazy, but you know It was what interesting. Mean? It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was nice, but um, that wow. was That was like pre-Sundance, call me by your name. No, pre, that, you know, was, yeah. that was a great experience and a great project to work on. Uh, like I said, Christian was on it. Christian yeah. Bale is one of my favorite actors. So, you know, I drop, drop a line in scenes sometimes just watching him act. And I'm not <laughs> kidding about that. And people that have actually seen the movie will go, but wait a second, you only have like two speaking scenes in it. <laughs> And I'm here to say there were more, but they are just not in the movie. That's um, funny. Yeah, Scott Cooper's a buddy of mine. So. He's absolutely awesome. But I, I remember that. Jonathan, like, we were, we were like, really tight on that thing mm-hmm. because, um, because we kind of both played similar, mm-hmm. like, uh, ancillary 
roles to Mr. Bale. Did you see White Boy Rick yet? No, I haven't. He's awesome, and I love seeing uh, his career. Take I wept off. after my White Another Boy Rick audition. Another guy, actually. I wept after my White Boy Rick audition. Really? Yeah. It was the uh, wow. Only. <laughs> uh, well, no, I've been very upset after things, but I've never wept after an audition. But that was something where I came in like supercharged up and uh, <laughs> they didn't want they weren't auditioning anybody in their 20s let alone actors because he really wanted to find uh, right, yeah. like I think of 71 which is Jan's yeah. other movie that I'm really crazy about too and that wasn't Jack O'Connell's first movie but it was one of his first movies yeah. it wasn't his first I don't know I think Startup might have been yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Ben Mendelsohn yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah no so I haven't seen it yet but I'm, but I'm dying to see it See, like Hayes in it too I saw yeah. it until you're right actually Actually, I wanted to start there with, you know, just your year yeah. last year, if sure. you could take me through it, because it was obviously like, it was a whirlwind year for you. You had Call Me By Your Name, you had Lady Bird, you had Hostiles as well, and you ended up with the Oscar nomination, and, you know, people don't realize that when you debut a movie in Sundance, and you're still with it, you know, 13, 14 months later, yeah, yeah, promotion-wise, right. essentially, right. like, you know, through the Oscar season, that's a huge haul, and this is the you know start of your career essentially. So what was that year like for you? Looking and at like and, and the hall in the sense of like just the just the the, the work output, the, the work and just the the length of time that you're with yeah. that you're with a movie. Yeah, you know, exactly. No, that was the uh, not irony in any way because that would I feel like imply a negativeness to it, and it really wasn't. But it was a uh, it was an exercise in keeping it fresh. Or certainly like when I was talking about the movie, particularly because. Um, I remember a friend of mine being in a movie that I was really, really crazy about and like, and telling him how much it had affected me. And he wasn't, uh, in genuine, that's not a word. Well, whatever the opposite of genuine, right. he wasn't in genuine in any way. Um, but he had just heard it so many times that like, I always, uh, not that I heard it so many times, but I just, I, I remember that moment and thinking, okay, he's not, uh, purposefully rubbing anyone in the negative way, but I, that you know, I wanted. I never wanted anyone to think that. Um, and to this day, like, there's so much gratitude for that movie and for the for the experience of that movie, for the fact that the movie exists almost in a vacuum. But then the fact that a lot of people, and especially like young people, saw it and connected with it. That's mm-hmm. really that was um that was really a dream come true. And sorry, I'm going a little off topic here because you said no, what go. was it like to do you know 14, 15 months? And the truth is, like, it was all. It's what I was saying at the time. It's really how I feel about it now. It was all just uh, so thrilling and so new, and uh, uh, and I was with Army and Luca, who I knew very well. Um, that it it always simply felt like a dream come true, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. That's the kind of that's what I was saying last year, but I wasn't being uh, uh, ingenuine again. Yeah. Um, and but I will say that you know we did a. Our first interview, I think it was with the Wall Street Journal with uh, Felix and Steve Carell, mm-hmm. Felix Van Gornigan for Beautiful Boy. And it was really odd uh, not knowing exactly how uh, Army or Luca would have answered the questions. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously, they were not literally Army and Luca, mm-hmm. but um, but it was all very new. And uh, um I think for Army and Luca because they had been on other press runs before, and certainly Army had been on like things like a Lone Ranger press run or yeah. Man from these bigger things. I think they were aware of how long <laughs> it was last year, but um, I'm realizing now, like, oh, that wasn't that's not your go round each time, you know, <laughs> right, um, right. And, and and especially in the way the movie's received because yeah. that's really a um, I would hope that's really a special film. So yeah. uh, 
disingenuous might be the word you're looking for there. Wow. Man, <laughs> that's like not a hard word to know. So, uh, did you go- No, you didn't so Google no, that. No, I did not Google. No, you, yeah, Google, you Googled your brain. the whole time. <laughs> you're like, am I going to bring it up? <laughs> Lady Bird as well. You know, I wanted to talk about Greta briefly. Yeah, that absolutely. was her first solo stint as a director. I'm just curious what you learned from a director like Greta. You're going to be working with her again on Little Women. So I don't know. It's... it's um, God, I'm horribly rambly sometimes, so I try Go to gather myself suit, a little bit before. But um, I know what I learned. Uh, not even, you know, maybe I would direct something someday. So I guess it, it's not in the context of acting anyway. But her confidence on the set of Lady Bird, and that doesn't mean an abrasive confidence. That doesn't mean like stepping on people's toes. Or uh, I mean, it's her movie. She could she could have done whatever she wanted. But mm-hmm. um, but I mean like. Like, uh, she knew how to describe wanted. it? Yeah, she knew exa- she she knew what she wanted. It's this amazing thing I found with Luca and Felix, who directed Beautiful Boy as mm-hmm. well, where they know exactly what they want, and yet they it's more about like putting you on the pathway or or, mm-hmm. or illuminating the bounds for you, mm-hmm. whether it's a moment in a scene or what the scene's about, than it is like do this exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that other way, but um. Um, and certainly sometimes it has to come to that where, where down to a line reading a director will be like, hey, this is just how it has to be. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it was really your confidence and, and I guess the way I would clarify is like confidence without like an abrasive self-assuredness, really just like I'm here to make my movie and I know exactly how I want it to go. And also we're all making a movie. This is a privilege. Like I love the photos on set of Lady Bird. I was, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in the scene, but for prom – where Greta was in a prom dress herself. Yeah. Or I think when we were shooting uh, Jenna's character, played by Odea Rush, um, or Odea's character, Jenna, played by mm-hmm. Odea Rush, um, um, we were shooting in that house, you know, the scene where I'm reading the book outside and I'm smoking a cigarette. Um, I just remember, because that house really had a great McMansion vibe <laughs> to it, right. this is what Greta was going for, like, uh, like wealth, but not with specific... Not with spec- not with specificity. Um, yeah. uh, like the joy in just like walking around that house with Greta, or uh, her confidence. And in addition to, I guess, and I guess maybe that's why they're so palatable and compatible to each other. Um, like Sersha and uh, Sersha's confidence too is a similar, like non-abrasion one. Like I guess that's yeah. the best kind of confidence to be yeah. around. Yeah. It's like when people aren't like flaming you with it sure. <laughs> and, uh, and um and yeah they were just so in sync at all times um and not again not with like not like we're so in sync we're so confident this movie's gonna take off and but but rather like yeah we're telling the story <clears throat> just organically want to tell yeah, exactly yeah. I mean even yeah. um I remember um cause I was still shooting hostels mm-hmm. at that point I, I think that's why I started late or it was just simply the matter of the shooting schedule but they shot three weeks of Lady Bird before I even got to set her before I got to LA and, and uh, Sacramento to shoot it and um, and they basically had shot out Lucas Hedges uh, bit and I remember getting to set and literally like the first AD and Greta being like God it's all going so well we're having such a good time like ready for you to keep it up kind of thing and I was like oh god like this no is pressure. super scary and I, I went and I visited set in that scene where Lori Metcalf says, uh, my mother was an abusive alcoholic, which I, I think is one of the most moving lines and most moving scenes of the movie where Lady Bird very valiantly says, like, you don't have to be mad and mean to me all the time. And her mother says, 
you know, you don't understand my circumstance or you don't understand yeah. what it is. To, yeah. You know, your circumstance you think is difficult, but it's not like what mine was, something like that, along those lines. And, uh, I visited set. I was watching that, and I like went back to the hotel like in an anxiety crisis because, like, <laughs> you know, I was like, "Oh man, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I don't drop the ball here." Yeah. You did all right. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's talk about "Beautiful Boy," which is sure. this year's jam. Uh, you know, this is based on two memoirs mm-hmm. by uh, Nick Sheff and his father, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about Nick's, uh, you know, struggle with with substance abuse mm-hmm. and addiction and. Uh, you know what I what I first wanted to ask was I assume you met Nick mm-hmm. and I'm curious what meeting him did to unlock what you were doing to portray him. Absolutely. Well, meeting him wasn't um, being introduced to him for the first time because when I met him, I guess I had read Beautiful Boy and Tweak already like four months before that or something, and I and I had the role at that point, so I was already I don't know configuring how I. Uh, was hoping to play it, and uh, the thing that struck me was he is an extraordinary spirit and a a huge warmth of character, if that makes any sense. And that's how he's described in Beautiful Boy from the lens of David, his father. Um, and I think maybe it's literally in David's writing, but it's an assumption of the reader too. You might go like any parent; they maybe project the uh, not project, but you we we. Not we, I'm not a parent, but I I assume that as parents, like, you see the best in your kids, right? But in meeting him, I really went, oh, wow, this is really an incredible human being. And like like I said, the extraordinary spirit and the warmth of his character and his wit and his 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 quick wit. You can see the, the machinery in his mind at pace. Um, that was... Uh, uh, enlightening just just to meet him as a person and then as it relates to uh, the film and playing it he immediately in hanging out with him said something along the lines of you know this is a representation of my family's life and story I don't expect this to be exactly what it was mm-hmm. and A by the laws of reality it <laughs> never yeah. could be because we're not them but um, but to hear that was like man um, what a gift because it became about it became about not doing anything that was disingenuous <laughs> to well <done. laughs> uh, about about it was it was about uh, not doing anything that'd be disingenuous to him as a character. I think Steve felt the same way as David. Mm-hmm. Him as a human, rather, um, and uh, and secondarily to the story and the relationships within the story. But then all things mannerisms and way he speaks. It was understood that we weren't doing a biopic. Mm-hmm. And then to take those two bounds, per se, uh, where the middle hope laid after that was in representing uh, in a universally relatable. And that doesn't mean like playing things up the middle, but rather just being and just playing um, this story out. And I'm going to go into a little bit of a ramble here. I think it's a subject you probably you, okay. you, you, you might bring up anyway, but... Um, that's what's apparent to me now in seeing, having seen it a number of times, Beautiful Boy, and um, and in talking to people that I've seen it, is I know that I had the impression, and I think Steve had the impression, I think a lot of people on the set had the impression that we were doing it like um, very real, and I know it's a very cliche and actory thing to say, but I didn't know what I meant by that. And certainly I could look at movies like Heaven Knows What and Christian F., 
and and I could go, but wait a second, that's like raw drug addiction. And I know we didn't, I know we didn't top those movies, nor was that our ambition mm-hmm. um, in that regard, and like raw depiction of what that experience would be. Mm-hmm. But then it became clear to me, if you have like heaven knows what on one side of the spectrum, and you have a movie like Train Spotting on the other side of the spectrum, one that doesn't necessarily glorify, but whatever, treat you know, there's heightened. there's quick cuts, yeah, yeah. it's heightened. I don't have a nose well, like I said, it's really raw. I think we, I, I stand by that real thing because mm-hmm. I think, and I think this is what, um, you know, audiences have been having a very positive reaction to it, but some, it, it, it is a, it is a, a, uh, it's, it's, it is, it is what it is. It's about what it is. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's my point is like, uh, that's where I feel we found our realness is, mm-hmm. um, um, or our, our authenticity is, um. In that we didn't tragify, nor did we glorify, and that goes down to the relapse structure of it, where I think some audiences maybe go, wait a second, this doesn't match a three-part arc or three-part narrative, um, or, or like other movies, or like like uh, especially movies on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that's the point. Sure. Is that's the reality of addiction, and uh, and similar to the way Tweak is written, Nick Chef's book, and in. Uh, in a distinctly present tense sense where everything is moment to moment and there's yeah. no conception of the future or the past. I think that's the reality of the movie is like down to not really foreshadowing things or just slightly foreshadowing them. It's like that's the reality or, or you know, I don't want to be cavalier or anything. I don't want to sure. speak out of turn, but that seems to be the reality of what this thing is. That actually speaks to yeah. what I was going to ask next, which is, you know, and I guess I should say you don't have to answer this because it's a personal question, mm-hmm. but I'm curious if there was anything personal in your life that you drew on for this. I mean, the immediate context of being a son in a family, yeah. um, and that's not a dodge because, like, first and foremost, I feel like this movie is about family, and uh, and that's why I think audience members that uh, aren't related to this or don't have a, an experience related to this in any way can still tap into it mm-hmm. because it's about what makes us family members. It's about what makes us uh, a father, if we are a father in a family, or a mother, or a uh, stepmother brought into a family dynamic or a son, what it means to be a son, what it means to be a sibling. And these are universally relatable questions and themes um, uh, that I'm presenting maybe like not boring, but I'm just like listing them right now. But truly, like I really hope people see this movie because, um, like I said, independent of addiction, that's some of the strongest um, themes around it. And then more specifically to what you're alluding to, my experience in life doesn't come close to Nick's. And yet... I am 22. I was born in 1995. Um, I was going to say I grew up in New York, but that's actually irrelevant because the drug crisis in this country right now, in particular the opiate crisis, I needed to be better researched as far as like exact areas or demographics. But I know Staten Island, for instance, in New York, um, in large part because of the great health insurance of, mm-hmm. of unions there. I don't want to say in large part, but that's just what I read in an article mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, that I hope is legit, and uh, and uh, and just across the country, the easy access to opiates. Um, you know, you read it's not like uh, you know you don't get it on a like a corner of a street somewhere. It's uh, I read somewhere too. It's like often family members or family friends. Like yeah. that's where it begins. And I don't I don't want to make this an you know it's socioeconomic as well. I mean it's a know. socio. I mean, and also uh, I really don't want to be educational about this. Not in the name of not being boring, but simply like I don't want to be cavalier and, and sure. acting like I'm the I. 
whatever well, have me, any me, sort of a th- yeah, yeah let please, me tweak please, it let me just please. say like you know just uh, you as a craftsman as an, yeah. as an artist is it easier for you to personalize or is it easier to conjure what you're doing that's a really great question i feel like um i think it's a fine line i think like being in drama school and you think of like Stanislavski or whatever and you get this impression like I must be of one technique or one yeah. way of doing this and I think like I had this amazing freshman year teacher at my high school that was all about like you know tearing yourself down and getting rid of bad habits and what have you and then I had this amazing sophomore year teacher this guy Harry Schiffman that actually got beamed into the Oscars last year he did like a, a short video right. and uh and he you know, he was all about truth as well and breaking bad habits, not, you know, not reverting to tricks in your acting. But he was also about, like, making it live. And I really like that because, to me, I would take a bad movie or, like, an insulting movie any day over a boring movie. And uh, and I'm sorry I'm giving a long-winded answer here. But, like, as it relates to, um, as you put it, like, uh, uh, accessing parts of yourself – or channeling, or or whatever, or uh, immersing into something else. Mm-hmm. I think I, f- I sit somewhere in the middle, with my biggest focus always being that whatever my process is cannot become a distraction to other people on set because that would be um, unprofessional. But secondarily, it cannot be a distraction to yourself and to mm-hmm. myself. And truly, I am not one of um, the proponents of like having to. Uh, wave your flag of struggle to validate your work in any way. And I think that's actually a, I don't want to say dangerous because this is an awesome industry. We're all very lucky to be working and they're like actually actual dangerous mm-hmm. um, things out there. But I believe that, uh, I don't even know if masochistic is the right word, but, um, like I think Christian Bale would like this answer, by the way. I think but, it, it sounds a lot like, you know, I'm just reminded of speaking of him earlier. Mm-hmm. I had him on the show last year mm-hmm. and he, he had similar things to say. Essentially, he boiled down to I don't even know what I do. That's absolutely yeah. it. I, I don't, you know, if I could put it very simply in, in a way that I wish I could speak like Christian, <laughs> I don't know what I do, but I know when it's not working. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Let's talk about Steve Carell briefly. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear just about you know, working with him. He's uh, a huge source of the emotion in this movie, yeah. uh, obviously. Uh, I can't remember how many scenes you have together. I mean, quite a few, obviously. But just talk about working with him in the movie. What a joy. I mean, um, I've said this in interviews with him. I've said it to him. And it's really true. Like, uh, I was a huge fan of The Office before I started working with him. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think any actor in New York in that time period, like, as he was doing Foxcatcher and the big short movies like that, we were all, like, uh, so excited that he was doing such amazing work and uh i think like with army with matthew mcconaughey with saoirse with greta like when you work with people you're fans of prior to um i guess there's a little bit of nervousness because you want to get over that you don't want like my favorite thing i've heard about the beautiful boy posters it just looks like you're happy to be in a picture with steve carell and i (laughs) i don't disagree like i think that's not wrong but uh but you want to like you know eviscerate that as much as you can yeah and yet, the joy of, like, working with someone that you're already a fan of or someone who's, like, in the public eye or something is in a scene with them, you don't really ever go into your own head because you're so locked into what they're doing. Right. And uh, and certainly with Steve, maybe he would, you know, contradict me in this regard, but I, I, I've said this to him, but I truly believe, like, um, as a result of the fact that he is 
you know, like a total master of improv and like a legend of the improv scene in Chicago and New York, Second City. He, I believe, like like myself, has like a yes and approach to acting. And uh, for this kind of movie, that was such a gift because it was the same thing with Call Me By Your Name with Army. Like, um, that's what turns me on as an as an audience member when I watch movies, when I watch plays. It goes back to a Joaquin Phoenix quote that he had in Interview Magazine, I think like four years ago or five years ago, and if I got that publication wrong, forgive me. But he said, um, I'm not as interested in wearing different scarves as an actor in as much as I am chasing a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that feeling is, but I'm chasing it. And that's not the exact quote, but that's, it was something along those yeah. lines. And I love that because... Um, I like character work, and I like I like, you know, uh, taking your process seriously and all that. But at the end of the day, like I said, it was a lesson with Schiffman in sophomore year of high school. It was like make it live, mm-hmm. and I think of the the master the scene with Joaquin and Phillips and Rothman and the master where they're opposite each other, and there's like that long take on Joaquin where he's not allowed to blink, mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, he wasn't in his hotel room the night before, like, <laughs> uh, you know, this is how I'm right. not going to blink, like. So you didn't um, break out a book to study how to perform. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I hear you. And, and Steve. So sorry. Point being that Steve is like a total master at that, mm-hmm. and uh, and really doesn't. You know, you can really throw anything at him, and it's funny now doing these interviews, doing some interviews with him, uh, like having you engage in quick wit with him sometimes. <laughs> like I can't, I really can't keep up, and uh, and yeah, he's practiced. He's super. Um, you wrapped the king right with Dave Michaud. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you're playing Henry V in that. Is that yeah. what the haircut is? That is what the That's what I is. assumed, yeah. I was, uh. I was wondering if, you, if they would actually do the hair that we've well, seen in the artwork. The, and the fact that it made me so uncomfortable before <laughs> doing it and, uh, I don't know, maybe it's not a good quality of character, but it was like, you know what? This scares me so much. Like, <laughs> let's do it. And uh, Yeah, you got to dive yeah. in, man, if you're scared. And also, like, it felt like, okay... You know, Timmy, um, uh, I'm not going to, I can't, no, no. Uh, I, I felt, no, I'm not doing that. Um, uh, going third person, Jesus. Um, um, the, uh, uh, it felt like a, it felt like a nice test of like, okay, you're, you're cl- claiming to be a serious actor. Like, right, right. Really? You, you, you're scared of the haircut? I mean, because that was the factual accuracy yeah, of the period was... I, mean, I don't know why. What I don't know for. what people were thinking in the 1300s, but uh, that's what it was. Maybe you'll bring it back, man. You, know. you know what? I can very confidently say <laughs> I doubt people are going to be rocking bowl cuts. What that was, was like, like my least favorite. I, like even before I got it, that was that's like the one everyone's you know always like. That's like the funny cut is a bowl cut. So, <laughs> oh god, uh, I'm, I'm just happy now. It's it's done. How about playing <laughs> this, that character? This two shot pass. It was so wonderfully challenging, and um, the young man in me and the young actor in me that's still learning um, and is soaking up information and studying how people around me work, that was the best thing I could have done for myself, was that Mm -hmm. movie. And I think it's even, like, Call Me By Your Name or something, it's a hallmark of a, hopefully, a, 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 a good story and a good film or something when you feel... A little out of, you know, out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and that's I need more as a professional. There was more anxiety in that regard because I feel like I could have done something that uh, was more ex- expect expectant mm-hmm. or something after last year. But I really, when I read that script, I thought, oh wow, this is an this is like an actor's actor's mm-hmm. role, and uh, 
and the legacy of it, Kenneth Branagh playing it, Lawrence Olivier, yeah, yeah. the fact that I, as an American I get to go over there and <laughs> playing playing English King, it was all um, it was all really really beautifully challenging. And then also, you know, we talked about Christian. Um, it was really good to play a role where, as opposed to Elio and Call Me by Your Name, who's on the precipice of like understanding himself in some way and having a sexual awakening. And as opposed to Nick Chef, who is like moment to moment just trying to get by, somebody like um, Good Prince Hal, and not even necessarily specific to his character as represented in the Shakespeare plays, or as, as it is understood that he was in real life, but simply as a consequence of being in that kind of position as a king, and let mm-hmm. alone at a young age, at a very young age, required like a channeling of stoicism and. A mutedness that is not very close to me as an actor, mm-hmm. and that's not—I uh, don't mean to like poo-poo myself in any way there. Because when you're auditioning, it's not your instinct. It's not my instinct, yeah. and also not that you try to be entertaining or anything. But if you've been auditioning for things for years, it's like how to make this live. Mm-hmm. But that's the amazing thing about hostels. Like I remember there's a scene with Rosamund Pike by the fire at night, and I was there because I'm cleaning my gun in that scene, <laughs> and. Um, and I rapped that night, and I hadn't looked at the monitor the entire shoot, but I was like, okay, maybe I'll watch, like, two or three takes of Christian's coverage. And uh, and it was just – I was so floored by the fact that he didn't reach for anything. He was stoic. He was what have you. And that's kind of insane, and <laughs> and I really believe it's a consequence of, you know, being in these – lead roles for years with strong dramatic integrity because it's about what the reality of the situation would be for that character mm-hmm. and I would, I would guess maybe I'm totally riffing here but like playing something like Batman would help in that regard too because the aesthetic and the nature of it is so um, I don't mm-hmm. want to say commercial but but beloved mm-hmm. that you don't have to worry about spicing it up in any way mm-hmm. and that's what was so amazing on Hostels and that's what that's what ultimately I was like for the king and playing Henry V I thought okay that's going to be so challenging to channel that thing, but that's exactly why I should do it because uh, because in a vacuum it's challenging. But then B, as I progress in my career, you know, a role like Nick Chef and Beautiful Boy, again, not in the name of being entertaining, but simply by the fact of the scene sometimes where he's using or he's agitated, it's way more uh, electric. And mm-hmm. something like that, especially like male roles as you think they get older, you know, I don't want to say stoicism, but like a certain – rootedness is uh yeah not key i mean in, in anyway you can i can sure whatever people can play whatever they want but uh but anyway yeah yeah i got you yeah and then if there's anything to say about it yet i'm I'm curious about dune with denis villeneuve i mean that's a big role in a big movie <laughs> i mean i like the way i like the way you said that and like i, I wish people listening to this could see the smile on my face right now because i'm just so so deeply excited to yeah. do that and uh, big fan of the book. Big fan of the book, and uh, um, I'll admit I, I wasn't. I, I it's not like something that I had read before. I was aware of mm-hmm. the project, but uh, you know, from my uncle and uh, just a lot of people I know. I, I know through their youth and Denis himself, and just like parents of friends have been saying it to me now already. It's just like that was the book of my youth, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not revealing anything here. I don't think I think I actually read Denis said in an interview, but he said this to me, which was like, if I could make one more movie and that's it, it would be this. Yeah. And when you hear that, like, that's a big thing for me now. And I, I, God, I pray like, um, I'm able to stick to this, uh, mode of thinking, but 
I'm going to speak horribly self-referentially here, so people listening to this might be bored or something, but, like, when I think of Miss Stevens, that's Julia Hart. That She wrote that. She had written that five years earlier. It is based on her experience as a teacher and uh, and fostering, like, helpful relationships with some of the students she had. Right. And for me, the role was playing a kid in a, you know, finding drama as a medium of expressing and therapeutically revealing himself in high school. So mm-hmm. that was, like, her spirit lineage was in that <laughs> and mine was too then I think of like Hot Summer Nights which I did right after that Elijah Bynum's movie that took him three years to write or or, or the three year process to get it made and that was like his baby too yeah and I think of Prodigal Son which is a play I did in New York like John Patrick Shanley that is his life story for him that is like uh, either the third or second part it's either the it's, 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 it's supposed to be direct it's supposed to be right after doubt in his kind of like canon of works about himself or inspired right. by his life and then after that was Call Me By Your Name, which Peter Spears, a producer, took eight years to make. Mm-hmm. It was shot in Lucastown. Like, I, I, I believe there's so many elements of that movie that Luca expressively and masterly, masterfully put in. Mm-hmm. And I also believe it was a beautiful consequence of just being in an environment that was an extension of him. Mm-hmm. And I think of uh, Hostels, but then I think of Lady Bird, where it was Greta's life story, you mm-hmm. know? And then I, and, and not, not, not literally her life story, but. And deeply inspired by, and then I think of Beautiful Boy that Felix had worked on for six years, and that Jeremy Kleiner, the producer, had been trying to get made for ten years. Mm-hmm. And then I think of Dune, and like I want to keep, and then The King too, elements of that tune. But I think of Dune, like I want to work on these things that people are, or the directors rather, are like not directing with like cool <clears throat> ideas they have, but out of like their spirit or something. Yeah. Um, and that's the impression I had when I met with Denis. I remember the Cannes Film Festival this year. Like, uh, uh, a, I had the impression I was speaking with someone that was like way smarter than I am, and which, like, whatever. Is, yeah, I feel that a lot, <laughs> but like, but especially with him, and uh, and also that thing, like I said, that he said about being so passionate about it. I just thought I always like the Dark Knight made me want to act. I've said that many times before, but um, uh. I've loved working on these behavior-based character dramas. That's what like really got me into acting. Was seeing Death of a Salesman on Broadway, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Andrew Garfield, or a movie like James White, or a movie like Punch Drunk Love. Like these are real mm-hmm. intimate things. But ultimately, it was The Dark Knight. You know, mm-hmm. like I want to make a, a a big thing. And I, but I always told myself like that's gonna totally come down to director. And if it was somebody like Christopher Nolan, I would do it in two seconds. Yeah. And if it was somebody like Denis, you know. That's like such a no-brainer. And then I was going to say one more thing in that regard, which is simply that um, that in reading the book too, and the fact that it not only is a piece of sci-fi literature, but almost is like American literature. It's so well respected and regarded, yeah. and like you can find it in like school libraries, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, in combination with Denis and the way he's approaching it, I don't. I, I the thing that I think that's scary for actors and green screen and all that is I don't think I'm. I don't think my intelligence. I don't think my. I don't think I'm ever going to feel like silly doing it. Mm. I don't think I'm gonna like look at a spacesuit and be like, you know, it won't, I won't feel like Michael Keaton the way the character he's playing in Birdman as it right, relates right, to like Birdman, right. um, simply because like I said, it's the, the book itself has such a mm-hmm. literary pedigree and also Denis is like really one of my favorite filmmakers, mm-hmm. and I hope I can bring some sort of like uh, whatever good energy to it and um, and yeah, I'm like just so tremendously excited to get going on that. Awesome. Yeah. When does that start? 
that's March at this point. March. It's gonna be February, February or March, or even a little bit later. I don't think they exactly know yet either. Cool. Well, yeah. good luck on that when Thank it comes. You. And then I wanted to close. Uh, I guess you know. On a, on a more serious note, I guess, but I uh, just wanted to talk about the Me Too movement, and, you know, you donated your salary from the Woody Allen film that's upcoming to a number of causes around that realm, and I just, what I'm curious about is if you feel like there's a sense within your generation, I mean, you are part of this young generation coming up in this business, is there a sense to be proactive like that, to, to that, that, that it's a house that needs cleaning in any way? Does that, does that feel... Certainly, I don't know if the house is show business um, sure. in more like the world or sure. the United States right now. Um, I think that was the curse and maybe the blessing of the last election we had is I think people are invigorated politically in a way that mm-hmm. um, isn't natural. I remember taking a government class in high school and they were telling us that in Australia there's a requisite to vote and that was very surprising because in the States, I think something like 50, 51%. Mm-hmm. And then more specifically of what you're talking about, I think certainly like um, um, I've heard things like activist generation before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's exciting to be a part of that moment and to be an ally to it. And I think of like a Maggie Nelson quote where she says like, or something along these lines, I really do not want to butcher it in any way, mm-hmm. but like uh, how convenient, it's something along the lines of how convenient do social progressive movements find their uh voice piece with a straight white male or something like that mm-hmm. is and so i'm weary of in that regard because i don't want to ever make it seem like um to be cavalier in that regard yeah. but certainly like yeah that's a there's a cleaning house feeling within here but also like for america yeah in general Let's not end there. Let me actually ask. You, let me ask about <laughs> okay. "Call Me by Your Name." Too. Okay, is that, yeah. is that is this happening? Is this is this? Man, 100% I want it to happen so. What? I want it to happen so badly, and yeah. I, I think Army's ten thousand percent into. I'm five hundred thousand percent in. Like, I believe you know, Luca really wants to do it too, and Andre is really open to it. The author, I really see no reason why it wouldn't happen, and I really have all the faith in Luca and Andre that uh, they could. I was going to say cook up. It's almost like crass or something. <laughs> like that they'll be able to devise something that is really special. And, yeah. uh, no, that really, really excites me. And um, and certainly I think it would be years away. And I think it's probably a smart thing. Yeah. Um, I think Otherwise you got to what? Play up? you got to play up. Yeah, we play up or something. <laughs> I don't think that would be good. And also, um, also um, like... It just seems like a gift or something. I, I mean, I talked about this with Luca. I'm not going to say it here. I really want to say it here. There's a, oh, come on. There's a musician. <laughs> Let's just say that there's a musician that I really have a fondness of maybe playing. And my idea would be to do a bit now. And Is it a musician that you resemble? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and, um, and to do a bit now, shoot a bit... Uh, Maybe two, three years from now, and then shoot another bit two, three years from then. Mm-hmm. Boyhood was so awesome, and I don't believe we really have seen something yeah. uh, uh, pay homage to that formula yet, except Link Ladder's other movies with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, um, the before movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly, the before movies, so, uh, before trilogy. So uh, that's really exciting to me. That, like, when I think of, I don't want to like reveal all my tricks here, but like, I think of that project. And I think after Dune, I have a, an idea up my sleeve too. And I, 
you know, this is like so presumptuous or something, but I, I'm, I've been like putting together an email to PTA over like the last month. I'm just like <laughs> gathering all the reference points and I want to send it to the Safety brothers too. Like of something that like after Dune, that would be really, really like raw. Yeah. And, uh, because that's the irony <laughs> of working on the King and Dune and, um, is, uh, not the irony cause I'm really grateful to have worked on both of those. And I can't wait for people to see the King and Dune. I'm so excited to work on, but those are epic <clears throat> arcs and epic stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, the irony being, in a way that maybe in the late 90s it couldn't have happened, but I mm-hmm. did like two indies that were like very small, intimate behavior based traumas. Mm-hmm. And those were the launching points of sorts. So I don't want to like. Uh, the King was like a great acting role, so I want to do that. And Dune is just like, I want to work with Disney. I want to work on a big movie. I want to. I want to. I want to work on that book and, yeah. and play the Muad'Dib. But. Uh, but I don't want to like stray too far from the raw thing too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like Adam Sandler or something, and he's going to work with the Safety Brothers right now in a uh-huh. movie called Uncut Gems. That's just, just like the script is so crazy. Like, yeah. um, and he's like the great example to me of he's done a lot of comedies that we know of. But when he taps into that punch drunk love, like he raw, can do like, it. He's so <clears throat> Meyerowitz. Yeah, My, yeah Meyerowitz stories. Mm-hmm. My, my friend Grace Van Patten was in that. Played her. Played his daughter. Um, so, uh, yeah. All I'm thinking so about is who this musician can be. Yeah. I don't think it's Jeff Buckley because he doesn't have a long career, obviously. Nah. Obviously, I'm thinking about Bob Dylan. Okay. <laughs> I got a silent answer there. Well, good luck with that, man. If it, if it's it not Bob Dylan, but it's not not him because uh, I don't want to. Sounds very Todd Haynes. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> okay. No, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll let you off. I think it's actually even. I think it would be less surprising to you than. Really? In those two. Maybe, okay. Maybe a little, maybe a little off the record. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll, talk, we'll talk off the record. <laughs> but for now, everyone should go see uh, Beautiful Boy. Uh, I think it'll be out by the time this comes out. And uh, all these other projects you got lined up. Looking forward to all of it, man. Thank so, you. Good luck with Appreciate it. And thank it. you again for coming on the show. No, no, no thank you. Like, and uh, really, if anybody's still listening to this, I, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't know how to, I don't know how to do these. So it's perfect, man. Okay. It's perfect. Right. And you're gonna get better. Okay. Thanks all again, right. dude. All Timothy right. Chalamet. You.